Hello, hello, hello. Happy New Year, Happy New Decade, and welcome to another episode of the Economical Rice Podcast. I'm your host, Danny, and thank you for tuning in. Now, this little episode is going to be a sort of administrative slash reflective one in the sense that I'm going to be addressing some issues relating to this podcast and the type of content that you can expect in 2020. Obviously, in the past few months and even in 2019 as a whole, lots of things have changed in my life, as has been well documented throughout various episodes of this podcast. Beginning in the year, I committed full steam towards a narrative storytelling kind of style, which led to some interesting episodes such as the Bubble Tea Bonanza. Alright, so how many of these do you drink in a day, man? Bubble tea? Not much. Like two cups? Three? Maybe like once a week? But wait, there was that one time I drank five large cups of grapefruit green tea in one day. <laughs> five cups? No way, dude. Yeah, man. It was the best day of my life. <laughs> you know bubble tea is not good for you, right? Like there was that one article that came out that said that it's got more sugar than a... Or the one involving the $20 bicentennial note. Alright, so suppose that I spend time and effort to acquire this $10 note, right? Would you buy it for $500 then? No! <laughs> Okay, but are you more or less likely to buy it now than before? Maybe. Mm, possibly. But then I also started to incorporate other kinds of episodes which are more personal, more vulnerable, and more weird, I guess. With episodes such as Meaning, Purpose, and The Singapore Dream. It all began to unravel. It started from the brain, from the stark realization of the enormity and the impossibility of the task set before me. I wasted too much time playing video games, spent too many nights drinking and having fun, squandered all those opportunities to ask questions and meet my teachers. When you finally come face to face with the moment that you've been dreading, the one that you've been trying to escape from all this time, and more recently, would you fly 30 hours for love? So here we finally are, after more than 30 plus hours of traveling, being running around uh, the layovers, and finally at Baltimore, Maryland. I am exhausted, I am smelly, I'm pretty sure my breath smells as well, I don't know. I'm can't really think much, just moving on instinct. And when I think about it now, there were really two key reasons as to why this gradual shift started happening. Firstly, a lot of things happened in my life outside of the podcast that were too distracting or too heavy to ignore. Things like leaving my job, starting a new company, working on new projects, and leaving Singapore to go live with my wife in the United States. The other reason was that, honestly speaking, I had kind of fallen out of love with economics. Or maybe to put it in a different way, I discovered something else that I was more interested in all along. 
You see, my love for economics began when I stumbled across the Freakonomics books written by Stephen Dubner and Stephen Levitt. They were fascinating in the sense that they were able to weave the lessons of economics into our daily lives and show that, given a keen eye, logical thought, and hard work into understanding the different contexts of any situation, you could use concepts like supply and demand, their weight loss, or opportunity costs to tell a pretty darn compelling story. It was refreshing in the way that it showed a different side of looking at the world, something that was living, breathing, and full of life, and far more interesting than the course material that we studied in our textbooks back in junior college. This newfound love would develop into extended reading about the nature and history of trade, the epic collapses and tectonic shifts caused by the movers and shakers in finance, and even into documentaries talking about the 08 financial crisis or the history of money such as the four-hour-long version produced by PBS called The Ascent of Money, hosted by the historian Niall Ferguson, which is absolutely incredible, and if you have the time, you should definitely check it out. So eventually, this passion for economics would hit its peak when I discovered the Freakonomics podcast where before I could only access content through video or books, now podcasts provided an entirely new way to indulge. And my goodness, what a way it was. Fresh episodes on all kinds of topics provided on a regular bi-weekly basis that was 100% completely free and accessible, and all you needed was a smartphone? It was almost too good to be true. For me, discovering the Freakonomics podcast was like getting the golden ticket to Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory. And for those first few months of listening, I was devouring every bit of chocolatey good economics that they had. Should tipping be banned, episode 129 was a good one. Why is the live event ticket market so screwed up, episode 311 is another. As well as the timeless misadventures in baby making, episode 46, where they dive into the starting point of China's famous one-child policy to make a point about one of the most important lessons in economics, unintended consequences. However, when I launched this podcast and tried to create a sort of Singaporean version of Freakonomics, that's where the passion kind of plateaued and dipped for me. Being on the other side of content as a producer rather than just a listener opened my eyes to many things that were oblivious to me before. Things such as how to write, research, and script the narrative, how to reach out and schedule guests to tell your story, or how to find the right music for the foundation of your show. Each of these elements, and the many, many more that go into a simple 30-minute episode, takes hours and hours and hours. And while it was fruitful and rewarding for a while, it was also incredibly taxing and difficult to maintain, especially when it was only me doing all the work. And so soon enough, I was beginning to notice how these things were impacting me and the production of the Economical Rice podcast episodes. Whenever I finished and published an episode, I would feel proud, but also incredibly relieved. I would then list on a bunch of different topics that I thought I could work on, but realize that I was always hesitating. 
started to frame the different tasks as chores, each one more tedious than the next, with each painful failure during these processes haunting me like a specter, a ghost that whispers, No one's gonna listen. You think they would even bother replying? You're just wasting your time. Whenever I think about a new episode, Sometimes people who are unfamiliar with podcasting ask me why I keep at it for so long if it is not bringing me any income. The honest answer was because I love this. I love diving into interesting topics, talking to different people, mixing the music and publishing the episodes. It provided a wholly different experience that was unlike the mundane hum and drum of work, an avenue where you could indulge in your passions and broadcast it for the world to hear. But at the same time, what kept me going was also what restrained me. Podcasting, unlike your typical hobby, forces you to consider your audience. And that was why I constantly experimented with the show structure, brought in more guests, or spent hours and hours making these episodes. It's a labor of love, as they say. But it gets progressively bitter every time you hear negative feedback or get turned down from an interview. Looking back now, What I learned from all of this are three things. Number one, your passion as is doesn't sell. Just because you love something and create something out of it doesn't mean that other people will buy into it the same way that you do. People are unique and have their own unique tastes and interests. Expecting them to have the same fervor that you do for your interest is, to put it bluntly, kind of selfish and naive. Number two, you can sell your passion but you have to work at it to change it and make it appealing. This is where consideration of the audience comes in, and this is what separates your standard course in economics from a free economics book. People, even non-hardcore economics enthusiasts, can enjoy free economics because it was tailored for them. They don't have the academic rigor and terse language of a formal dissertation. They are not just full of graphs and stock standard explanations of a hypothetical economic world. And the transformation to make a subject as technical as economics more appealing to the general audience cannot be understated. It is not a simple matter of doing some research and scripting it into a podcast, as I have painstakingly discovered but also about the little things, the details, the tone, the language, the story, the narrative. You don't see the effort put into all these little things as a listener precisely because of how good a job they've done. When I think about the Freakonomics podcast, I expect a well-researched script, great audio quality, well-known guests, and ultimately a good story relating to the subject of economics. It was never just about the concepts or the graphs or the formulas or the data. It was about how you could wrap that up into a product that makes all the difference. Last but not least, number three, don't take it too seriously. It is meant to be enjoyable after all. This was something that I had to keep reminding myself throughout this year, especially every time an episode performed worse than expected or when I had fallen behind in producing episodes. It is difficult, I have to admit, since what I was essentially doing was pouring all my efforts into this podcast baby and hoping that it would be well-received by the world. Comparing my meager results to others was painful and disheartening, and it can destroy you if you take this perceived failure too much to heart. 
These days, I'd like to think that I've gotten a little bit better at this. As the more recent Economical Rice podcasts have shown, I think I've been able to be more relaxed in the production and, you know, just have fun of it. I don't worry too much about having pristine audio quality or putting out an episode a week or researching 100 articles and research papers from an episode because I realize now that that is more important to me. And so going into 2020, what is going to happen with this podcast is a pivot. I think for now at least, I am done with trying to kill myself to produce a one-man version of Freakonomics. And this show will serve more as a personal development blog kind of thing. I mean, the secret to any great podcast is a keen attention to the story. And over the course that it has run, there is an underlying narrative of personal development and growth. So moving forward, I'd like to continue with that and see where it leads. It has been a truly wonderful journey so far, producing all these episodes on economics in Singapore. But due to the current constraints that I have, as well as my commitments to other podcasts, I think this is the most reasonable path. So yeah, thank you guys for listening, especially those of you who have been there all the way from the beginning. Truly, truly appreciate it. I mean, to this day, I still get chills when I think about how a nobody like me could create content that will be listened to by hundreds or even thousands of people. Podcasting has been the most wonderful vehicle for self-expression, and I hope to continue this journey with you guys going into 2020. Thank you for listening. 